So I'm going to talk to you guys this morning about what it means to not let fear hold us and grip us. I think fear is one of the biggest things that plagues Christianity. I think it's one of the biggest things that plagues the sons and daughters of God because fear is what holds us back from our destiny. Fear is what stops us from walking all the way in. It is fear that creates this false thing, this false cloud that says either you're not good enough or he's not good enough for you to come all the way in. And so I just want to break some things this morning and tear down some walls in the scripture. Is that okay? All right, so I'm going to go to Second Chronicles. Follow with me. I know they have some of the verses up here, but I'm going to skip around a little bit because I don't want to spend the time reading the entire story. But um, So what happens is Jehoshaphat is the king. So isn't that a funny word, Jehoshaphat? Here's a little side story. Um, my son, Josiah, he is... Uh, he was my my biggest boy. He is so big. And when he was about three months, he had already doubled his weight. So he was like 25 pounds at three months old. Um, my Layla, just in perspective, my Layla, who's four and a half, is barely 25 pounds. So he was a big boy. He was big. So his name was Je- Josiah, but we used to call him Jehoshaphat. So it's just funny that I found this really awesome story in the scripture of Jehoshaphat. Okay, so what happens is Jehoshaphat is the king. And um, some men came to tell Jehoshaphat, verse 2, that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea, and it's already coming over. And so this is what Jehoshaphat did. He said, the people of Judah come together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up as in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem as the temple of um, at the temple of the Lord in the, f- in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. And then he begins, Jehoshaphat begins to declare the goodness of God that has come before him. He's talking about all the things that they've seen in the time of uh, Judah and all the Jerusalem. He just keeps talking about this is what you've done, God. This is what you've done, God. This is what you've done. Now jump to verse uh, 14. And as they're praying and they're worshiping, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. And this is what he said. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's. And then he gives them direction on how to defeat the enemy. And then Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem and they fell down before the Lord in worship. And then it goes on to say is after they begin to to pray and hear what God is saying, they began to sing to the Lord and the armies of the Lord were saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And then as they began to sing the praises and then they began to defeat the enemy. And and by the end of the um, uh, verse 29, it says the fear of God came upon the kingdoms of the countries and they, um, and then they were defeated. And verse 30, it says, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest 
on every side. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that my words would be filled with your spirit and they would be full of truth and wisdom for your people, God. I pray that every person this in this room would be a hearer of your word this morning, that it would take root in their heart and transformation would take place and change would begin to happen in your people. In Jesus' name, can you say amen with me? I want to talk to you about four things of how we expel fear from our life through this um, scripture, through this story. Now, how many know Tuesday's Halloween, right? I was raised in the church, and so um, on Halloween, I had many, many different costumes. They were um, Queen Esther, and then Queen Esther, and then Queen Esther, and then every once in a while, I got to be Mary. So we never celebrated Halloween in my house. It just was not ever something we did. And so when I, um, when I started my own family, I was a Christian, and I, w- I acted a little heathen-y, and I went out and took my kids trick-or-treating. And um, it was like, the, I, I even decorated my house with, like, spiders and a spider web because I wasn't going to go, like, full, like, ghosts, but I just kind of wanted to celebrate it because I never got to, like, ever in my whole life. And so, um, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, for my mother. She raised us, right? No, I'm just kidding. So we decided we want to let our kids go trick-or-treating. And this is obviously against my husband because he is not a fan of Halloween. Not a fan. But so we take our kids trick-or-treating. And um, my little Hannah was maybe three or four, about the age of my Layla. And we come up to this house, and it is, they've turned the whole entire yard into, like, a haunted house. Like, you know, this real scary stuff where, like, things pop out at you as you're walking by. Now, this is no criticism or judgment if you like Halloween. This is just my perspective. And, um, and she just, we walk up to the house, and it was almost like she could feel the fear coming off of the stuff. And she just started to cry and would not take another step. Just bald and bald and bald. We went home after that because we had enough candy and we just decided to go home. But how many know that sometimes we, we celebrate and elevate fear to this position that it should never, ever, ever have in our lives? And we've even had, we have holidays surrounded in the celebration of being afraid, you know? Um, I also... Um, hate, hate, hate scary movies. I hate to be scared. I hate to be afraid. I know you guys probably heard this story, but I don't go to uh, haunted houses with my husband and sometimes he wants to go. Um, he won't take our kids, but he, you know, whatever, once in a while, get scared a little bit. He wants to go to, uh, you know, haunted houses. I won't go. So he got to take my sister one year. This many years ago. And she lives to tell the story. We were talking about it the other night. So um, he hates the chainsaw guy, whatever. I mean, who likes the chainsaw guy? Um, So you guys act like you've never been in a haunted house. I mean, let's be real, people. Y'all ain't been saved forever. Just kidding. Um, So he, so it's, this is how the story goes. I'm going to tell my version of it because I wasn't there. Obviously, I don't go. Um, So the chainsaw guy comes out and he's like, you know, he's going to be like the guy and and he's going to, you know, protect my sister. And then the chainsaw guy comes out and this is what he's like, and then he like runs past her, stomps over her and runs out and leaves her all by herself. (laughs) She's like, he pushed me out of the way to run past me 
so he was safe. So I, I don't, I don't like scary things. I don't like fear. But how many know sometimes we've elevated this thing called fear? We've celebrated it. We've, we've made it something that it shouldn't be. And I think we have given permission to ourselves as Christians to be afraid of some things. You know, I've heard it said that sometimes wisdom, um, sometimes fear is masked as wisdom. I'm just being wise. Really, the root of it is fear, and you're making excuses. So I want to just talk about what it looks like when we're faced with something. Now, I know, like, realistically, we're not ever going to hopefully be faced with some guy with a chainsaw and a mask. (laughs) But there's things that happen in our lives. There's things that could bring legitimate fear in our lives. And what should our response be? in those moments? What should it look like as a Christian? How do we respond when we're faced with something? The first thing I see in the story of this beautiful story of Jehoshaphat and his response to the enemy approaching, his first response is, verse 6, he says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms. And he begins to just declare the goodness of God. See, once we position our heart in a place of thankfulness, we've positioned ourselves to overcome whatever obstacle we face. The number one thing that we need to do is remain thankful. You know, as Thanksgiving comes, I, um, I always see this all over Facebook as we just, we skip Thanksgiving and go right to Christmas. Um, you know, like in our decorations, right? I do. I don't really decorate for Thanksgiving. I just go right to Christmas decorations. But I don't think that we should skip the heart of what the holiday is supposed to represent. Because there's something about being thankful. There's something about remaining in a place of gratitude and thankfulness. It positions you for greater. It positions you to receive more. Over and over and over again, the scripture and Jesus talks about how our heart is the, is the center of our being. And the position of our heart is what sets us up for what we need. It is the heart that says, I have to be grateful and thankful for God to really give the increase. When you feed on the faithfulness of God, there is no place for fear. You know, I tell my kids this all the time. Wherever, wherever there is fear, there is a lack of love. There is a place where the love of God has not yet been shed in your heart or you've not allowed yourself to receive this place of love because that's what fear is. Fear is the opposite of love. Where there is fear, there's no love. Where there is love, there is no fear. There is no fear. I don't fear tomorrow because I know who God is and he loves me. I don't fear my children's future because I know he has them and he loves them. I don't have to fear what things look like. You know, when we first started the church, I had this, you know, eight, almost nine years ago, Zach had this awesome idea. Well, it was like 12 years ago. He's like, let's plant a church. Let's go to Henderson. And I'm like, yay, what? 
what are you talking about? I was not, this was not my idea. But, and then there was fear in my heart. But what if, but what if no one comes? What if nothing happens? And I remember Zach saying, honey, if one person hears the love of God and the message that he's put in our heart, then it's worth it. One person. That took the fear out of me because the love for one removed the fear of many. Do you see how that works? Do you see how love works when you posture yourself in that place? Thankfulness positions yourself for increase. The second thing I see in this story is um, in verse 15. This is so powerful. As they're worshiping the Lord and they're gathered and assembled together, King Jehoshaphat was there, and it says this in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. So what happened this morning when people were had prophetic words, that's what happened here in this story. Somebody had heard what God was saying for the people. We have to hear what is God saying. We have to have prophetic insight to know this is the voice of God for me in my life. You know that today, well actually this week marks the 500 year anniversary of the reformation of the church. 500 years ago, in a couple days, Martin Luther nailed the 97th thesis on the wall of the Catholic Church and changed everything, changed history. It's in history books. The faith of one man changed everything, and it's written in history. That means the faith of one woman, one person, your faith can change history if you make a choice. You know, something happened when the reformer just inside of him said, I want something different. It needs to look different. I believe we at, at Encounter Church have that spirit of reformation because we are not afraid to question things that aren't currently changing the world. We're not afraid of kicking down sacred cows of religion. We're not afraid of standing up for things that we believe in and getting persecution. How many know that when you're not afraid and you have a spirit of reformation, persecution's going to come, but you're not afraid, so it doesn't matter. It's going to come, but you don't care. So we have to keep going. You know, if we were afraid of what people said about our church, we would have stopped a long time ago. But I'm not afraid anymore. You know, there's one of my favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. And um, <laughs> it's, my, it's one of my favorites. And, um, and I don't know if you know the story. And if you do, I'm going to spoil it for you. If you've not watched it, I'm sorry. But I'm going to ruin the plot for you. So the little boy gets left home alone. Um, one of the side plots is there's a neighbor, and there's this story about the neighbor man who um, uses the ice as formaldehyde for his murder victims. I know this is a heavy story for a Sunday morning, but this is a kid's show, kind of, kid's Christmas movie. And, um, and he, he sees him. He gets so scared and then, he, and then he has this revelation, and he's like, I'm not afraid anymore. I, I'm not afraid anymore. And then he realizes when he meets this man in a church that this man just lost his, his daughter, or he lost his wife and relationship with his daughter, and he's just a lonely man who wants relationship. 
And the little boy's like, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. And it doesn't mean anything bad doesn't happen to him in the rest of the movie because lots of bad things still happen. But he doesn't do it in fear. He doesn't do it in fear anymore. So if I ruin the plot, I'm sorry. It's been out for a really long time. <laughs> There's this really powerful um, quote by Martin Luther. I just, I love this. By faith, we began. By hope, we continue. And by revelation, we shall obtain the whole. By revelation, we shall obtain the whole. The, it's the revelation that gives us the big picture. It's the voice of God that gives you the whole thing. I remember um, when I first started having kids and, and um, I was a young mom, you know, um, the other day and I think we were in Target or somewhere else. I was with my two daughters and we're shopping and um, she's like, you're not their mom, are you? I'm like, yes. You, you, you don't look, you look like their sister. I know. Thank you. I was a young mom, and I had a lot of fear raising kids, being a young mom. A lot of, a lot of fear. And then I remember um, there was a service, and, and we were praying, and, and I remember the Lord said, I've, I've given you keys to the city, and I've given you keys to unlock some things, and that means your kids are going to be okay. And it was like the voice of God saying something so simple as my kids are going to be okay. It just, his revelation, his voice, it can set things right. It can help you face the giants that are before you. It can help you face the obstacles that are going to come against you. It'll help you face the persecution that you'll come against if you hear his voice. Can you say amen with me? Amen. He's speaking. Can you hear him? He's speaking. He's always talking. He's always ministering to us. Oh, um, it's the 97 Thesis. My husband is watching online. I love you, honey. So he can just help me and guide me in all things. I love you. Hebrews 12, what, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know what the sin was? Because in chapter 11, they were repenting and learning a new way of what God looks like. The sin that holds us down is the, is the unrenewed idea of who God is. It's our false picture of a God that doesn't answer. That's the sin that weighs us down. That's what holds us back, is when we don't see God the way we should. The thing that holds us back from overcoming in our life is not understanding who God is and what he has for us. He is a good father. This is another quote from Martin Luther. He died for me.
He made his righteousness mine and made my sin his own. And if he made my sin his own, then I don't have it. I am free. Isn't that good? If he made my sin his own, then I don't have it. People of God, stop calling yourself sinners. That's not what he calls you. He calls you sons and saints. That's what he says. Yes, do we do things we're not supposed to? Absolutely. Is it less and less the more I know him? Yeah, it is. The more I know him, the more I look like him. He made my sin his. I don't have it. I don't have it. So in, so in this awesome, wonderful story, the word of the Lord was, the battle is his. The battle is his. He's not going to leave us because he is with us in the battle. He took on the battle. He defeated the enemy and conquered death, hell, and the grave. He won 2,000 years ago. He won 2,000 years ago. The battle was his, and he overcame. He won 2,000 years ago. It's his. When I know him, and I know that he's overcome it, it's easy for me to face the things that are in front of me, because he already did it. He did it. All right, the last thing. And we're going to close. I'm going to get you out early because that's what I do. (laughs) In verse 21, the second part, it says, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they began to sing and praise as the Lord sets an ambush against their enemy. They hadn't won the victory, but they began to sing and praise the Lord anyway. Some of us are stuck in our stuff, waiting for our victory to come before we give the Lord credit. But when the credit's already due and the praise will get you through. He already did it and you're waiting for the victory, but it's done. Praise now. Worship now. If you're praying for a breakthrough and not seeing it, don't give up because opposition precedes your breakthrough. I love football. I know I'm a girl. I love football. I do. I love the game. I watch it when I can. Um, But you can't just, I mean, and it's been done, but it's very few and far between a team winning a Super Bowl based on their defense. Okay. If you're in this room and you know football and you like football, just follow me. If you're not and you don't like it, I'm sorry. You just have to bear with me. Okay. Very few and far between can a football team win a Super Bowl. They can win games, but they can't win Super Bowls with just a defense. They've got to have a good offense. Church, we are always on the defense instead of being on the offense, and we're waiting for our victory, but we've stayed in the defense mode. You've got to get on the offensive mode so you can get the victory over what God has for you. You need to... Stop just living in the defense and saying, I'm going to win the victory. As If the enemy comes against me, I'm just going to win the victory based off my defense. No. Breakthroughs come when you're in the offensive mode. Victories are won when you're in the offensive mode. 
We have to stop living in the defense. Our worship must precede our breakthrough. Your worship has to precede your breakthrough because you know who God is, because you hear his voice, and because you're thankful. Worship precedes the breakthrough. At the end of this awesome story, this beautiful picture of just the faithfulness of God, after they defeated their enemy, it says the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. See, what happens when we get our victory is we get our rest. God is our peace on every side. And he gives the victory and the breakthrough. And we find peace and rest in him. Can you say amen with me? Will you lift your hands? Let me just bless you. Father, I thank you that you have given us the tools to overcome the circumstances and situations in our life. I thank you, God, that you have already won the victory for us. We're just walking in it. We're just stepping under it. I pray that we would just receive the truth about who you are this morning and that you would give us peace on all sides. Peace on all sides and rest. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If I could have my host, just my prayer team members, just come and make themselves available. I know there's going to be some people that really need um, someone to pray with them and partner with them this morning. And so they're going to they're gonna be here to, to pray with you. And if you need prayer for anything, a word, a prophetic word, or whatever you need, these people are so anointed and appointed by God and, and by the leadership of this house. And so I just encourage you, come and just receive from what God has for you. Let me bless you. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the truth of who you are and who you are is good. And we don't have to be afraid because you are with us. You guide us. You direct us. You never leave us. You don't forsake us. You set us up for victory and not failure, God. You're the God of second chances, third chances, 300 chances. You're the God of yes and amen. And you're the God that I can say, Daddy, where are you? And you're always right there. So we thank you for that. I pray as we leave this morning, we would go with that truth and that knowledge of knowing who you are and what you say about us. In Jesus' name.